This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to the Reel Down on Paddling Fin with your hosts, Dan Perry and Jimmy Skinner, where we talk about everything tournament kayak fishing. Here we go. Alright everybody, welcome back to Paddling Finn, the reel down. We'll give it a minute just to get going. How you doing, Jimmy? Get Pretty straight. good, man. How was your how was your fourth? Doing yeah, it's good. We went uh back home, you know, I'm from Biloxi from the coast, so got to go back home and check that out. Uh yeah, Did you go do any gambling? No, man, I ain't trying to go into casinos with all them people like that. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not trying to hurt any industry who needs people around, but I have a person like today, somebody that works for me might have might have Corona. And then some family members that actually have Corona, one's in ICU. So, I mean, you know, prayers for her. But I mean, it's, you know, that, that spike, that spike is definitely affected. You're- you're officially the closest person to me I know that's had somebody affected. Yeah. That, it's been kind of around, but not that close. This is like, you know, here in my central Alabama area. So oh. yeah, it's, a, it's big spike. I'll say that. So yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to go out in the public. I, I wear it like the other day I went in, you know, I was down there and I had my white, I have like a white who rag. It's like a white paisley one. It's like a, you know, some kind of, white gang or something i don't know and i wear my power pole buff like yeah. i wear it but that one was like I, I think it looks especially menacing so yeah. people see it and they're like oh dude he's about well, to I have the one with the skulls and stuff on it i didn't want to be that guy yeah don't be that guy don't be that guy. paisley paisley is on the border i don't know about that one <laughs> but yeah uh thanks everybody thanks for watching thanks for listening or if you're listening to us tomorrow the next day or any other time uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for being a listener. And tonight we're going to have on two great guests, two of the best in the business. So if you have any questions, let us know. Just ask. And already we got Justin Staley saying what's up, and Chris Josh. Yo, Dayton is here, Ohio and how? So uh, we, we got one of them Ohio guys in here. So here we go. I'm sure, uh, we're gonna get some Tennessee boys in here for too much longer. Yeah, for sure. I see a bunch of them talking about coming on. So without further ado, the two of the best anglers in the country, and they're here to talk about how they prepare for tournaments, Mr. Craig Dye and Kurt Smith. Thanks, guys, for being on show. Welcome, welcome. Hey, guys. Oh. And Kurt's dealing with some internet issues. I know I've got a storm here, so if I if I lag, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's the internet. It's tough sometimes. If it's clear, y'all just have to listen to my voice. Yeah. I will still be here. And Craig's locked up now, so we'll we'll take turns. He's got the that that's like the perfect. Oh, there picture. <laughs> he was like serious. <laughs> I'll stone face somebody. It's it is what it is, man. It's the internet. And if it gets too bad, we'll kind of just if you drop your um, your actual picture and you just do audio. If we have to go that way, we will. But yeah, let's let's get started. So, uh, if people don't know who you are, they're living under a rock. They're just getting into kayak fishing. We'll start with you, Kurt. Kurt Smith, yeah, tell us who you are, man. Uh, you know, I'm here. 2017 KBF National Champion. 
Uh, I'm one of the guys who just, uh, like Craig does, hit a lot of the bigger national-level tournaments. Uh, been doing it pretty hardcore since 2017, and, you know, just like to help people out when I can. You know, I, I feel like when I first started, there wasn't a lot of people to ask questions from, so any chance I get to kind of give back, you know, and, and help out the, the newer guys, like you said, someone who's just getting into the sport. I mean, cause the sport is growing like crazy right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you look at kayak sales, it's like growing exponentially right now. They have nowhere can keep them in stock. We so. were just talking about that, how you, you can't get a boat anywhere. Yeah. yeah and it's just amazing at the local tournaments, even the small ones now are like 50 people. Yeah. You know, I mean, not that long ago, I, I'm talking like three or four years ago. I mean, a small one would be like 12 people from where I'm at. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now and it's like you don't see much under 50 people anymore. Every week we do our, you know, at the end of the show, we talk about all the tournaments that happen. And we have to limit it, limit it to th- tournaments of 30 people or more. And every week that number is growing. So our, like eventually we're going to have to even, you know, do it up higher and we want to get everybody on the show and talk about all the tournaments out there, but man, it's, it's tough to do. There's Craig right there. There you go. There he is. So, so Craig, if somebody doesn't know who you are, tell them about yourself, tell them uh, how you got into kayak fishing and all that good stuff. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. All right. So there's a little delay, so I'm trying to work it out. Okay. Yeah, you're good. So, so tell us about somebody who doesn't know who you are. Tell us about yourself and how you got into kayak fishing. Might have to yeah, cut. I'm losing you guys. It's not coming in. Yeah, hey, uh, cut your video off, Craig. Yeah. Can you go ahead and message message the group? We'll do it that way. I got it. Well, I'll tell you who Craig Dye is. He's one of the biggest sticks in the country. That you fear when you see him at a tournament. You know, when you see his name pop up, you know right there there's another guy who's going to be in one of the top spots. Yeah. Co-champion of the 10. I mean, he's, you know, he's one of those people who's been in the game for a long time, one of the most respected, uh, one of the, you know, somebody who's been around, everybody knows his name, somebody who knows that he's going to do, you know, he's somebody, a man with integrity, and somebody, if you see him on the water, he's going, you know, he's good chance he's going to take your money, so. Yeah, well, yeah, I, mean, I heard his name in 2016, you know, I mean, and that was before there were a lot of podcasts to really know who was there. I mean, Craig, Craig's, you know, he's kind of like a legend in the sport, really. He honestly was one of the first names I ever, when I was like coming up in kayak fishing, you know, you, you know, the ones from like YouTube and stuff, but Craig was like the first name that I like heard. Oh, because and, and then he came down to one of our demo days and did a seminar and I was like, dude, this dude's pretty serious. And that just like made me look into tournament kayak fishing more and then realize that there's hammers everywhere that are making a living doing this. Yeah. And let, Hey, and let's not sell you sh- short here, Kurt, you know, right now you're winning angler of the you're in the lead for angler of the year of Hobie. See that big Hobie check in the back. And uh, I think we got Craig here just without the video this time. You there, Craig? Yeah, way better. Now I can hear everybody. Good. Hey, maybe, maybe we can try the, the video here in just a little bit. So we well, were we've told everybody who you are, so you're good. You can just sit and listen now. <laughs> anything else you want? Yeah. Anything else you want to say? That good, huh? 
Yeah. You there, Craig? Craig? It's super choppy, guys. I apologize. I can't understand it. No, it's it, it's okay, man. It's it's there and that sometimes it's difficult. Uh, if you can hear us, give us a little rundown of who you are. Uh, if there's anything you want to tell everybody. Well, um, really, I um, I've been kayak fishing for a long time. I um, I started back in the day when you know Chad Hoover pretty much started KBF with the opens. You know, back. Um, Man, I don't know how many years, six, seven, eight years, something like that now. And uh, I just, uh, I, I I can't get away from it. You know, you, you think you would kind of move on to something else, but it's so addicting. The tournaments are, they never get old. Catching a big fish tournament is the most exciting thing. I mean, that's why we all do it. That's why a lot of us do it, at least. And uh, for me, it's, it's just, you know, even having two young boys, you know, I find a way to get out there and do it. But uh Pretty much, I started back when um, Chad started, met him, you know, when Hook One got started in Nashville, and I uh, opened, I uh, started a club in Nashville called a Kayak Bass Fishing TN. A lot of, a lot of folks have heard of it. Awesome club in Nashville. Uh, uh, back to Georgia, just doing nothing and just... And uh, I just I can't get enough. Gotcha. Well, we we, we got most of that there a little bit broken up, but you're uh, we we got ninety percent of it. So uh, <laughs> so yeah, let let let's just get right to it tonight. Why we wanted to have you two guys on because not only have you been doing it for a long time, but you've been doing it at and been very successful at it. So I think both me and Jimmy, honestly, and uh, a lot of people out there, there's a lot that we can learn from y'all. So I'll start with the first question. And uh, so like right, right now, Kurt, I know you're, you're looking at lacrosse. You're going to be fishing the Hobie tournament up there and God bless you. I wish I could go with you. Like, I, I just want to hitch a ride. I want to go fishing up there so bad. Uh, but so what, what have you been doing to get ready for that tournament? Uh, you know, well, you know, it, it takes me a few days to actually get ready for the tournament, you know, more than a few days. I mean, I, I do a ton of research, you know, I, I spent a lot of time looking at Google Earth, uh, looking at uh, Navionics, looking at different online resources, trying to get a feel for this area, because I've never been there, you know, so I don't really know anything about it. I've never even seen the water. I've never even driven over the area or anything, so it, it you know, it's another completely new water system to me, and it's very different than the tournaments I've done this year or any other year, really. You know, this is it's the Mississippi River. I mean, it's like the biggest river in the U.S., right? Yeah. It's, it's a different beast altogether. So I'm really excited to go. It's a bucket list place to go because I've been reading about it, hearing about it. You know, you watch the pros go there and just, yeah. you know, I mean – like it's, you, you want to have that day like Edwin and just find that mega school that that one spot that you know it's just life changing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you, you hope to find that spot, right? Yeah. <laughs> you hope. Uh, so it, you know, it, so that's where I start at, right? And that's where I start at, and, and then I move into the phase as it gets closer to like actually packing. You know, going through all my lures that I think I'm going to use. I actually, this is what I do every tournament. I end up going through all my lures. I try to go through just the ones I think I'm going to use, but I end up like reorganizing everything again. 
you know, and, and on my Hobie, I got a couple, uh, you know, you got a square hatch on the floor and you got a bin, I have a bin box on the side okay. and those things just get full of discarded lures, wrappers, whatever, man. So I just end up taking all that stuff out and I wipe the insides down. I just clean everything. I mean, it's become like a ritual to me to like go through my kayak and reorganize everything. Yeah, put it up. Yeah. Yeah, it gets me in the it gets me in the right mood because I feel like when I get all that stuff done that I I have confidence that I'm taking all the baits that I need to take. I got all the hooks I need. I got all the line I need. You know, um, it's just become like a ritual, you know. And, and you know, I'm just tomorrow. So my car's packed right now for lacrosse. Um, I'll be leaving early in the morning, so you know, buying a bunch of coke and ice. I mean, that's like I know when I buy the bag of ice that I'm done. It's go time. <laughs> yeah, so you're, it's go you're, time, man. <laughs> you're leaving in the morning. Yep. Yep. Wow. Well, we extra appreciate you Brian, being on the show tonight. Hopefully, we're not not taking you know messing up your game there. You know, oh, away from wrong. anything. <laughs> but if he wins, we can say it was because he was here. So yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of have the same approach, like in between like tournament fishing and like if there's going to be a like a big gap when I get to fish. I thought it was kind of weird at first, but I do the same thing. I kind of take everything back, organize it back in the house in all the individual containers. Cause I have like a big, you know, I use lots of different tubs for different kinds of lures and stuff like that. And then I, I go back when I'm getting ready to fish and that, you know, I pick out exactly what I need. But like you said, I know for sure I have it at that point. And it's also like a way I can kind of keep inventory like, Oh, out of this hook, out of that worm. Et cetera. That, that's exactly right. Cause I mean, I can't remember what I, what I'm, what I'm using. Cause I use a variety of stuff, you know, especially when there's a gap between tournaments, I use a wide variety of stuff. You know, I, I'm constantly trying to use stuff that I normally don't throw. So I'm always running out of stuff, you know, like whether it be a drop shot hook or a Nico rig weight or, you know, a quarter ounce tungsten or whatever, you know, and having that confidence when you're driving there, I don't know about you guys, but I'm in a car for like eight, nine hours. I just start thinking about all the stuff I left behind or I could have left yeah. behind. That's right. I, I, I used to think like that. And now it's like, I know I left something behind and I'll figure it out when I get there. And then when that happens, you're like, see, told you, I knew I left something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Time to go to the store. <laughs> and, and, and just preparing for your show. I mean, I, you know, I'm I obviously follow both y'all on social media all the time, but I, I went back and looked at your, some of your stuff, like that trailer that you made. If anybody has, is, has a utility trailer and wants to see a great way to, to do it with the, where it lifts up. I thought that was awesome. You kind of sold me on that quarter ounce uh, Picasso ball head. Cause, cause that's something I'm not very good at. Like a, a small swim bait. That's something that, you know, I've kind of gotten into spy baits and stuff like that, but that small swim bait, that's still definitely a little gap in my game and something I, I want to get on. So you sold me on that. So Picasso, there you go. You, you, you man <laughs> on some stuff. Cause I, I definitely, I'm going to get some of them myself, but Craig, yeah. how, how do you go to get into a, to get ready for a tournament? 
Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Oh, man. Well, that's, that's such, it's, it's hard to answer sometimes because there's so many, you know, you have, you have close tournaments, you have tournaments where you have to travel a long way, you know, so there's kind of a lot involved there. Uh, but for me, is this little room I'm in, I know my camera's off, but I'm in a small little room that I have in, off the side of my garage. And basically, after every tournament, after fishing for fun around the house, the, the top of my workbench is completely full of, of boxes and lures and fishing line and Basically, I just take everything out, and I just reorganize everything and put it all back in. And uh, that's pretty, it kind of gets your mind right. You know exactly what tackle you have. You know what you need to go buy, and it just really kind of gets your mind ready for a tournament. So you're, you know, you're pretty much ready for anything. So um, tackle-wise, that's what I do. I, I'm not a big, you know, boat cleaner and clean my boat a lot. Like I just, you know, if it's if it's dirty, it's dirty. I just load it up and go. But um, I'm also big on. Um, I, I change my line a lot. Um, I do a lot. I throw a lot of crane baits. I throw a lot of moving baits, and I actually throw a lot, a lot of monofilament line, which some folks, you know, don't really believe in monofilament as much anymore. But you know, I, with cranking, I love throwing ten and twelve pound mono. But with you know, with mono, I change it a lot. So uh, I change all you know for a big change all the line on all my you know spinner bait rods and all my crank bait rods. So. Um, but then, you know, for gear, it's, it's not, you know, I could usually do everything in about a night, you know, not a big deal, but, um, but yeah, that's really about it. You know, if you're talking about tournament prep and looking at this, we can get it a little bit later, but for my gear, you know, three or four hours, I'm pretty ready to go. So, so like, uh, Kurt. You kind of do the Google Earth, the Navionics. I, I know you're with Ray Marine. Is it, you look on their maps and and on your graph as well to kind of look, check some stuff out. We got you, Kurt. Oh, oh are you talking Craig, to me? Craig. No, Craig. I, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. Still I thought up, he said Kurt, so I was looking at Kurt. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Okay, so so Kurt, well, here's a question from Steve. Oh, we lost uh, lost Craig there. Just problems. Hey, um, he'll probably be able to get back in here in just a little bit. Talking about that single swim bait, uh, Steve Owens, the man, you know, the the legend. He, uh, are you swimming it or sw sw slow rolling it? How, how do you work that swim bait? And it, you work it with the small Kitek usually, right? Yep, yep. Mostly with this. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Kitek lures and. Uh, Man, they're small swim baits. The profile on them, they just nail it for so many different bait fish. Um, and, and I use it different ways, you know. I mean, 
I'll slow roll it. I'll burn it. I'll hop it. I mean, I, it, I, the fish really have to tell me, and this is where, you know, part of tournament prep becomes pre-fishing, right? Because I know I'm going to throw that bait at some point in time, especially on fisheries where the bass aren't as big, you know, if it's a spotted bass fishery, you know, I, I hear like the Mississippi and it, I've never been there, so I don't know yet. But the, what I hear is that it's full of those mid range fish, you know? So I'll generally speaking, well, I'll throw something that's like three inches to four inches long in, in, for those type of fish, you know? And that's where that Kitech tungsten ball head comes in because that's a little bit smaller profiles designed for smaller baits. Um, and I let the fish have to tell me, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, you know, exactly how, how, how I will fish it during a term. And, and and whenever I looked it up on tackle warehouse, they had three different sizes and you, the one that you talked about was a quarter ounce. Is that, and that's the heaviest of the three. Is that kind of your go-to the quarter? Yeah. Quarter is my go-to. I mean, I do, I, I, I will throw the, the eighth ounce once in a while. But man, for whatever reason, man, I just keyed in on quarter ounce, man. Whether it's quarter ounce tungsten, you know, or if it's quarter ounce round-headed swim baits, I'm just for whatever reason, quarter yeah. ounce is good. I, I'm same way. Drop shot weights, shaky heads. I'm I'm into quarter ounce. I, I don't, you know, a lot of people throw a lighter. It's just, you know, just my thing. Yeah. Uh oh. All right, Craig's yeah. trying to get back in. He's messaging me. But uh. So I'm wanting to know, and you kind of mentioned it before. So with, uh, you know, map study, um, just kind of tell me, tell us how you approach your map study. And then, you know, a lot of people have a question I hear it all the time is how do you break down new water? So this is perfect because you've never been there. So kind of tell me how you would break it down on the water, but start with how you do it on the map study. And maybe you can tell us about Norman. You won that. Maybe you can tell, you know, I, I don't want, we don't obviously don't want you to give away lacrosse. And, oh no. Yeah. Don't give away what you're targeting, you know? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Let's use, let's use Norman as example, really. So on Norman, uh, you know, before I do my app study, I try to learn about the lake, you know, what the bait fish are, what's going on that type of time of year there, what type of black bass species they have. And on Norman, it, it kind of came up that we were looking at good chances that we would be like kind of during the spawn some places, pre-spawn too. I mean, it kind of looked like we were more towards the pre-spawn. And one of the things I saw there for the spotted bass was uh, I saw over and over was people talking about points, right? Yeah. So what I try to do is I, I found these big coves that were like main lakes. And I found a place that had three or four giant points that came out. And that's one of the places I started. And it was actually the one of the first places that, that stood out to me doing the map research after I decided, okay, I need to look for main lake points. Because these things went from like one foot down to like 30 feet. And they came way out into this, way out into the water. These, these weren't subtle points. These were like, yeah. you can see them plain as day on any map. You know, as a matter of fact, some uh, two of the points actually had signs on them saying shoals to warn boaters that the water goes to like a foot deep right there. Okay. Yeah. 
And, you know, and so here's where a little bit of luck comes into it. Well, luckily, that's exactly what was happening. In the area I was in, it was pre-spawn. The fish hadn't hit the beds real heavy yet. There were a few fish on beds, but they were moving in. And that was a perfect transition area. You know, they were coming up. They were sitting on those points and feeding in the morning. And then they kind of disperse as the day went on and kind of move out to the docks and, and the other structure that was around there. Um, but the... I mean, and that's how I broke it down. So, I mean, I, first I found out what I was looking for. Then I went to the map and looked for that. You know, and it doesn't always work out, man. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you think they're going to be in such and such pattern from doing your research. And then you look for it and then you get to there and you do, and you do pre-fish and you find out, well, it's a, they're on a totally different part of the site. Yeah. You know? But this time, you know. If you do your research and, and and luckily there was a lot of people posting up about Norman. So I could, you know, I had a good feel for what was going on at Norman, you know, like you could just, you know, see fishing report and people were already talking about how they were just starting to hit the beds, you know, and another, and, and Norman has, you know, the lake fish is different from North to South too, right. You know, there's the warm yeah. water discharge. There's, there's lots of things going on there. So there's different ways to approach it. But that's exactly what I do. I mean, I try to find something with my internet research to look for, and then I look for it. So once, so let's say you you're sitting doing your study, and points is your thing with you know like a long, very, you know, dominant point. Let's say you find like four different areas. How do you go about narrowing down which one you would want to make your primary area, or is that just a, like a shoot in the hat thing? Like, well, try this one first. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And you know, what I look for is places that I feel like I can do more fishing than just that. So I look for a right. place that has three points or four points that come out that I can fish in one area. And then I also see that there's a bunch of docks and a couple flats. Something you know? to kind of fall back on if that first pattern flops. Exactly. Exactly. Because you never know, man. You might get there and the week before they were pre-spawn and they might be full-blown spawn. So you want to be... You want to be able to move up to those flats and find out when you're pre-fishing. And, right. and, and it is kind of just throwing the dart at it too a little bit. I mean, if you find three areas that look super juicy, you just pick one for pre-fishing and then you hit another one the next day and you hit another one the next day. I mean, you know, but if you can find three juicy spots, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. And hey, I find three spots you're comfortable with. You know, if, if it's tough to do, but if you can, I, I think that's kind of the, you know, the, the tournaments that it seems I've, I've always done poorest is whenever I don't have that plan B or plan C. And sometimes you can't always do that. And maybe you don't have the time to practice. Or you just can't find anything else like Seminole. You got what third at Seminole and we had you on then. We were in the same area. You killed it. And, and I absolutely flopped. I'm super embarrassed to that one. But, the uh, but you know, some having those fallback places. Because, you know, sometimes you get out there a tournament morning and things have went to hell and, and you got to just scrape something up. Yeah. A lot of the time I can't get out of my mindset when I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been pretty good at picking picking areas. But when it's going terrible and my plan's not working, I'm too stubborn sometimes to fall back to that fallback. I'm yeah. like, no, this is going to eventually turn on. And it never does. So that's just how it goes. But, but sometimes you have to sit there and grind the spot out and not catch fish for hours. man. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes that is the deal, though. It's, it's, it's hard to make that choice on, like, when I should leave this spot because, you caught, you know, there's a reason you're there to begin with, right? 
Mm-hmm. Caught fish there probably. And when you should stay, you know, it's, it's, that's a tough call, man. And I've done that too. I've sat in the spots and they never turned on. And then I've also left those spots and then talked to my buddy later on who ended up doing really well there because it did turn on, but I left. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And literally dude, come back, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, too yeah. late now. <laughs> I'm gone. Yeah, a, a lot of tournaments, that's kind of the choice. Like, you know, I I think you always hear people ask, do you have that hard, fast rule of, let's say, 20, 30 minutes? If I don't get a bite, then you move. But, man, it's, it seems like every tournament's so different. It's hard to have a set rule of, if I don't get a bite, I'm moving, and this time, and that's just my rule, I'm going to come back later. You know, sometimes you got to sit there and grind and, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I can't have a hard, fast rule like that because, yeah. like you said, every tournament is just so different from one another. I mean, let's face it, Norman and, and the Mississippi, can you get any more different? Yeah. All right. <laughs> you know? Shallow, grassy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just going to be dramatically different. So, yeah, and that's, and, and, and that's one of the things that's uh, so intriguing about tournament fishing, too, I find, is that you have to make those hard decisions. That's kind of a lot of times what separates the guys who are, are doing well and who aren't doing well is that they're they're making those good calls. And it, it, it always seems to me like you kind of, you know, maybe whenever you get out on the water, maybe it's different, but you always come across as somebody who's more in tune, zen, like you're, you know, you're, you're going to follow your gut and follow your instincts and move. Like you wouldn't be a rule guy. You would be somebody who's who's going to play it, play it as you see it, and fish the moment and and do what you can while you're out there. My, my you could describe mine versus that as like controlled chaos. It's not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's I try, but I'm getting there. <laughs> but um, so you talked about you know like you picking your spots. You're going into pre-fishing for you, I know it's different for everybody. Like how much time, you know, you're fishing these national level tournaments, these big tournaments, how much pre-fishing do you usually do? Like how many days do you give yourself a week or, you know, do you do like two days that way you're kind of dialed in on how they are right while you're there? Well, you know, it's tough. I try to get as much as I can, but I mean, I'll be honest, man, I'm kind of a homebody. I'm not, I'm not like the biggest guy for traveling really long distances. So, you know, I don't like to pre-fish too much just because I like to be home. I like to be around my dogs, my wife, you know, but and my friends. But at the same time, I like to get enough experience on a lake and, and try to get as much as I can. So, like, I'm going to leave. I normally would leave on a, on a Wednesday. I try to get, like, three days of pre-fishing, leave Wednesday, get, like, half a day in, and two full days of pre-fishing. For lacrosse, since it's a much bigger area because we got pool seven eight nine so it's a huge oh. area in different um, states like you you know all over oh yeah yeah i mean it, it literally is three states yeah mm-hmm. so i'm gonna uh go up on, I'm, I'm leaving on tuesday and i should be able to get about three or four hours in on tomorrow and then i'll have three full days of pre-fishing in uh, there's i have no hard and fast rule i mean it just i look at my schedule and what's going on and what i can work out and um, i can understand it like like saying on a, a big big body of water like that i saw steve owens comment that on you out man he said he's that dogs and then wife (laughs) (laughs) but uh love you steve 
<laughs> Thanks. But, um, <laughs> you know, big body of water out like that and, and being able to fish so much area, I could definitely see like the, the more time, but for like, like a tournament that's kind of local to me, I don't give myself that much time to pre-fish because I feel like it's either going to go good or I'm going to wear myself down mentally before the tournament. Like if I've got two bad days of pre-fishing come tournament day, I'm just kind of like, well, whatever. Like, and then your mind's wrong and your, you know, your positive mental attitude's gone and it just doesn't ever end well like that. So. Yeah. I mean, having that positive mental attitude is, is, is massive. Man. Honestly, that's the, that's the single biggest thing I think you can do to be successful in tournament anglers is having that positive attitude. You know, 100% it, I agree. Yeah. I've definitely done a lot better. There is a thing about pre-fishing too much, right? Because then you get sidetracked, you know, and, and, and you find, maybe you find a bite a week before it and then you get kind of get sidetracked and maybe you never get back to check that bite. If it's still happening a week later, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you go, and then you rely on that one good day you had on that Monday and now it's Sunday, you know? So, it, it, you know, pre-fishing pre is tricky, man. It really is. And, and honestly, some of the tournaments I did best at, I didn't, I thought I had a solid place, but not, not the winning place. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. you just don't know. And so going back to gear, uh, we, we know you're on the Hobie team. You have that PA 360, uh, PA 14, right? Yep. Yep. PA 14. Yep. So uh, the two train thoughts are less gear, less rods, more nimble, a little quicker, you know, just stand to your strengths on <laughs> tournament day. You're not that guy though, are you? No, I'm not that guy at all. Man. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I bring seven rods minimum. Okay. I mean, that's minimum. And sometimes I bring more, but it's usually seven rods. I end up using two, but I never know which two, honestly, you know, and honestly, you know, seven rods may sound like a lot to some people, but most tournaments I go to, I legitimately feel like I could use any one of those seven rods during the tournament. So let's go back to Norman real quick. Right. Okay. So at Norman, I did catch one of my better fish throwing an A-rig, right? Mm-hmm. I never throw an A rig, and that's but that. I that, happen to have a rod that could do it, yeah. and I happen to have one A rig buried in my kayak that I. And just how I saw how the fish were chasing small schools of bait made me want to tie one on, and that got one of my fish right. So if I didn't bring all my garbage that I bring, right, <laughs> you know, because I wasn't planning on throwing an A rig at all, I never threw an A. But it, something just struck me when I saw it on my fish finder. I saw what the fish were doing, and I'm like... After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. 
man, that's just an A-rig setup. And man, I tied that on first cast. They had a fish. I've never, I've never had that. I've never said that's an A-rig fish right there. I need. Oh, that- dude, dude, I say it all the time. I just don't ever catch one. I've never, I've never done well with it, but you know, that's that. That's why you're cashing checks because you pull something out of the bottom of the box, and you and uh, oh John, I forget his last name, who won the Logan Martin again on bat for Bassman. Yeah, yeah, he he pulled he pulled a spy bait he's never even thrown before out of the box. Like, <laughs> but you can definitely say that's two tournaments this year that have been won that somebody pulled something that wasn't tied on in the bottom of the boat and won the tournament with. Connecting dots. I, I don't so know. For anybody getting into this, bring everything you have. <laughs> you just might need it. <laughs> well, don't sink your boat. You, you did not hear that on Paddling Fin. Don't carry too much. <laughs> well, that's why I have to use a PA-14. Yeah. Because I bring hard. so much stuff. <laughs> See that? So, you know, I do do a lot of river fishing and like last year, it was all about downsize, you know, three or four rods, one or two tackle boxes. You know, you can make the day with that. Got my Frontier 12 this year and was like, man, I'm just going to load this thing down. So now I carry seven or eight rods. I've got like eight tackle boxes with me, two leather bags of uh, plastics. And I don't know what I'm doing now. <laughs> like, <laughs> really opposite from last year. Steve, Wayne, another great question. How do you can condition yourself n- or, uh, how do you not leave that spot? Like you said, uh, we had you on the show. It was a rocky. You found a rocky area that there was no other rocks in that area. I damn sure didn't find any rocks in, in that area at that launch. So you found one rocky area. How did you grind it out in that area for so long? And you end up in third. How, like what? You so, had, you know, I never grounded out in an area. Right. Oh, okay. okay. I, I started each day off junk fishing and I found those and I had a couple main lake humps that had some rocks on them that didn't have any vegetation that I checked each day. And uh, day one, I checked them twice, you know, and it was a haul to get out there to check them because you have to make like a milk run there. I, You know what I mean? I wasn't finding a spot that held all my fish. I would have to fish everything basically junk fishing a big giant area of docks and trees and whatever pvc i caught fish off the pvc uh, so i never really grounded out anywhere um in that event so i mean it was just one of those things where i went out to the to those mainland cups and they were there man they were biting and honestly at that event i was having uh troubles uploading pictures big time I don't, and I don't know why especially on day two uh, day one i was able to upload the same area the day two i just couldn't so i actually got off the water a couple hours early just to make sure i got back got the stuff loaded up so i never really had a chance to grind out those areas um but to answer steve's question man it's, it's hard to know man that's one of those things i just leave it up to my gut feeling when i'm out there you know if i feel like it's just not happening i'll do it but if I feel like, hey, I just got to figure out the bait or figure out the color, I'll stay and, and, and grind it out. Um, that, that's also that that philosophy has served me well. And it's also. It's a double edged sword, you know, yeah. I mean, that, it'll, to me, I it'll get you just as fast as it'll bless you. Yeah. I'm sorry. I said it'll get you just as fast as it'll bless you for sure. Yeah. So I've been able good. to sit on a spot and, you know, make a few changes and get that fish or get those fish. And then there's days that 
I know they're just staring at me like, we just go on. Like, we're not coming. But <laughs> yeah, one of the other big questions of besides timing of, you know, do you stay? Do you go? Do you move? Do you come back? That's one of the big questions. The other big questions is how do you how do you are you deciding where to start and how do you decide? Are you going for bigs? Are you going, you know, are you going for the kickers first or are you going for limit first? How, how is that decision? Or are you just throwing and hoping? It's <laughs> always big five and, you know, everything else be damned. I'm getting them bigs and I'm, that's it. I'll be honest with you. That's, that, that's normally how I go, man. Really? I normally just say, you know, especially at these national level tournaments, I just feel like if you play conservative, you're not going to be able to get the win. Uh, you just, you got to swing for the fence. You got to hope you make contact with the ball. Because if you don't swing for that fence, you're never going to make it over that fence, man. Yeah. I just feel like at, at these in, you know, let's face it. These guys are so competitive at all these tournaments, man, that any one of them could win. There's such good sticks happening yeah. in the kayak uh, field right now that any one of these guys could win. So I just go in and, and I'm swinging for the fence. Now, does it, do I always catch my five fish big early? No. Sometimes I'm, grinding it out just to get my fifth. Sometimes I don't get my fifth. You know, I, I do think that it helps to have five early, no matter what their size is, just to have your limit. Cause I feel like that takes some of that mental pressure off you. So you can, then, then you kind of relax and you, then you're just fishing. You yeah. know, you're not, you're not thinking about where's that fifth or where's the first, you know, you're, you're just fishing that. And that that's oh. for me that's definitely true because it goes from there's Craig. We got Craig. Craig's All right. Well man, we'll have you on another time too. It's that's just the way this stuff goes sometimes. It you know it's terrible. Yeah. It is what it looks like you have a beautiful home there though. Congratulations yeah. on your success in life. The, well, uh, I, I'd rather be in the little uh shop area with all the fishing stuff. So. I dig your shop too, man. I've seen that on videos and like the Ray Marine video doing a giveaway. I'm like, man, I, I got to set that up back here. Like I'm, I'm crouched back here in my kid's basement. His playroom. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in, thing at the I'm in my dining room. Like yeah. only place yeah. in the backyard. So. <laughs> well, it, it's, you know, I got, it's really small though. It looks a little, maybe a little, bit, a little bit bigger than what it is. It's like one side is basically I'm like right against a bunch of shelves and have a bunch of, you know, plastic totes. And the other side is the workbench where I have all my uh, boxes and all my crankbaits hanging. All those crankbaits, they all have, they all kind of have a story, you know, like you just, when you throw crankbaits a lot, you kind of pick up everybody's trash, you know, cause you're always dragging the bottom and hooking stuff. So I just, anytime, anytime I catch something, I just try to keep it. I don't know. I don't know why. I just throw it all away. So well, why ask you a question that we just asked Kurt, are you go big five, go, go big in the morning, go for a limit. Uh, like what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, man, it's different every tournament. I, I, I love fishing for bites, and, I, and sometimes I just like to play the game of, okay, there's a lot of bait here. I got a lot of bites here. I can make the most out of that spot. Surely there's some big fish around. But I like to – I love getting bites early and finding spots where there's a lot of fish where I can go get a limit and have five and then go chase a big one for the rest of the day. I have no problem throwing a jig for five hours or four hours. I have no problem doing that. But I know some guys, all they do is go for big ones. And sometimes I should probably do that more. 
But man, I just love, I, I've always been a person to fish for bites. Sometimes it gets me in trouble, but man, I just love having five, no matter if it's, you know, 200 of the best guys in the country, like Lake Seminole, I caught nine fish and got, you know, in the top five. So, I mean, that was a tough tournament, man. That was one of the I forgot y'all were both top five in that. Yeah, having a Seminole show six months later. That that was a uh, that was a crazy tournament. I just kept searching for spots, and I, and I found where um, I was way up on the Chattahoochee. Found where a nice clear creek was coming in, and the fish were just stacked up there. And I got lucky to get bites early in the morning, and kind of you know capitalize on that. And you know, definitely for like we were talking about the positive mental attitude to me and for me going for the bites because like even if it's a tiny limit, once you get the limit, your mood changes. Like, yeah. I don't care if I've got three, 12, five, 12 <laughs> fish. As You're soon right. as I'm done with that, my whole attitude changes. And like, like you said, Craig, I don't mind throwing a jig all the rest of the day or a drop shot or it's once I get those fish in the boat, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's something about it. Even though if you're in like 80th place, but you got five, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, one, one good thing about a lot of the tournaments uh, it's about half or more that do not get a limit. Right. So if you go look at almost every tournament, it's usually around half, you know, so once you get a limit, you just feel a little better. You know, you, you know, if you upgrade maybe two or three fish, you know, you're maybe on the cut line or, you know, getting some cash. And then if you get some big ones, man, you know, you're moving away quick. So, so Kurt, Oh, oh go ahead. Uh, to go back to you, not, not to try and get in your head here. Since you said that you go big fish and right now you're leading angler of the year for Hobie. I, I know you're a Hobie guy, but they do have that awesome not orange boat that you would be the only one with that orange Hobie. Is is your kind of mind or are you changing your strategy now that you're winning angle leading angler of the year? No, not at all, man. Not at all. I'm I'm honestly I, I try not to think about that uh, you know I, I think about it too much as it is, but you know I'm trying not to have that influence any of the things I'm doing for tournament getting ready for the tournaments and doing the tournaments. Yeah. I mean, just take one at a time and, and just do what, I, do what I do and hope for the best, you know, I mean, that's all you can really do. That's right. Heck yeah. Well, I was going to give Craig a second, to just step back real quick and talk about, we talked about like map study and finding spots and, you know, Kurt hit it really good, but Craig, just kind of how, how do you go about finding your spots or breaking down new water when you're prepping for your tournament? Yeah, I was listening to Kurt and uh, taking notes as I was trying to get my computer up. So, uh, you know, the, the guy right. killed the man. Um, for me, I, I have a – and I, Kurt might be the same, but when it comes to tournament fishing, I'm mostly a, a loader type type guy. I don't like fishing with three or four guys. I don't like talking to three or four guys. You know, I might ask one or two guys maybe what they're doing. But, um, for example, the Tennessee State Championship that I won on Center Hill – I went two weeks before the tournament and camped for three days alone and just tried to figure that lake out. Cause I didn't know anything about that lake. I mean, I knew some stuff and I saw like one major league fishing event, you know, on that lake. Um, so I'm, I'm big on going alone and figuring it out myself and not talking to a bunch of people and doing too much research. And like Kurt said earlier, um, too much pre-fishing can definitely get you in trouble get you because because we're all i mean we have a lot of experience we can catch fish in a lot of different conditions and we can probably get it you know catch fish shallow we can catch them deep we can probably catch them how we want to catch them and it'll lead you down a path that we've all kind of gone down before either caught like a four or five pounder and said that's what i'm going to do and then 
you just kind of it wasn't the right path. So train wreck. Yeah, yeah. So for me, the, the ideal thing is two weeks before the tournament or so. You know, with my work schedule and kids, I like to go for a weekend, two days, learn the lake, get you know, just kind of figure it out, kind of get the lay of the land per se, and then you know, and then maybe two days before the actual event, fish two days before. And then really get it dialed in on what's happening, you know, at that time when you're there. Because a lot can change as, you know, the wind can change direction and the bite you're on can, you know, just completely stop. So, um, you know, two days, maybe a couple weeks before learning the lake and then two days right before the tournament is ideal for me. Okay. So, Kurt, that, that's, that's a big question. Doc Talk, who are, are you talking to? Some people, some people, like I've been, I've fished with other people and they are the best social anglers. Like when I, <laughs> I went back to school and fished in college, like my buddy Joseph, he texted me at night about something. That guy was the best at, he knew everybody who was fishing that tournament and he knew what everybody was doing or what, you know, I, and, and that's kind of my problem. Like, I don't know what, if they're telling you is the truth. So I never know But he loved that information and I'm more, Craig, where I, I don't like all that, maybe a little bit, maybe like your one or two friends, but yeah. I, I don't like that information. Kurt, how, how about you? You know, I, I'm not real big at reaching out to a lot of people, man. You know, I do have like kind of a group of friends that will bounce ideas off of each other and stuff. Um, you know, but, you know, I, I'm not like, let's call up 80 people and try to figure out what they're doing. You know what yeah. I mean? That's not really my style. I fish a little differently than most people too. So a lot of times, or you isn't going to work for me because I fish a little different. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I won't get the same results uh, sometimes. So, I mean, there are a couple of people I, I do, you know, that, you know, and, and of course when I'm staying in a house full of guys, yeah. Every night, everyone's kind of swapping, you know, stories on what they're doing and stuff. But, you know, I, I don't really reach out to a lot of people besides like looking online and, and doing that, the initial research. You know, once I get down there, I'm, I'm just focusing on fishing. And, let, and let's be honest, the people y'all are texting about fishing a tournament are not scrubs. That They're not usually not going to be people at the bottom of the leaderboard. These are people who you can trust and, and people that are <laughs> legit. The, the information that you're getting is probably better than some of the information I've gotten in the past. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be a little bit different too. That's I'm, I'm kind of that way. I, I'll bounce ideas off a couple of people, but it'll be people that fish the same way as I do. Yeah. And then, but you know, on tournament day, I'm not going to like loan out. Like if you want to go fish, you know, I don't care if you ain't got a good plan. Come on. You'll probably beat me. Let's go. <laughs> you know, Craig didn't say much about it, but I know that he's really good at map study. And I figured that out on Logan Martin. Cause I do a lot of map work. And even if it's just like looking for launch areas. And uh, I caught up with him at the Logan Martin event and he showed me where he was. And I don't know how, I missed it, but Craig was like, if you looked at the map, he was the head disappeared. But, and I was so mad because like where he was is like my style. And he he show, he's like, I'm gonna show you this, but you better not be there in the morning. And I was like, come on, man. Well, what what was cool about that spot? Um, it was very. I mean, I've, I've always been a fan of like when you look at a map, the stuff that's that's just the most 
just stuff you would never look at. You know what I mean? When like when you look at the map, like it's like way over here, and you're like, nobody's ever gonna see that. And then you go over there, and all of a sudden there's fish there, and it might not be you're catching five pounders every cast, but there's nobody there, and that's what I love. I, I'd rather fish for less fish around less people than you know maybe schools of fish and you know you know jumping to you know say brush piles or humps or points that everybody I'm fishing behind people I can't stand that man like I want to have it to myself and just try to make the most of where I'm at and uh Logan Martin was cool because I, I got on uh street view and was just going down the streets around Logan Martin because the ramps were kind of tricky it wasn't yeah, yeah. google the ramps and they were just here's where all the ramps were and I just did a lot of street view and just kind of looking you know I do a lot of street view next to lakes to kind of see what's on the bank and what the lake looks like and that's how I found that ramp. And there was only one other guy there. And um, he was in the top, I think, top 20 as well, you know, with me. So it was, it turned out good, you know, except for and all the That's a hot Jimmy paying attention. Use Street View to see what's on the bank. I like it. That's yeah. right. Me and Jimmy, we like, you know, did I did Street View and we went and launched at this place where it was a big steep launch, dirt launch. But I, I think sometimes from what I've seen, that can be, another level of people who are really good, they find those not only tough places to find or unpressured fish, but they find like that public land, the power company land where you can launch, where you might think it's kind of gray area, but in the rules it says you can launch there. You just don't know you can launch there. So at, uh, that's going to cut a big part of the field out. So I, I think that research and things like that, just looking at a map, looking at graphs, things like that, that's great. But there's another level of looking at these maps and different apps that you can use that use for public land that a lot of other people aren't doing. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. Talk about the rest of those things right now. Yeah, I, you know, I, um, what was cool about the Logan Martin tournament is that I, I so when I launched there uh, in practice the day before the tournament, when I, when I actually went and checked it, um, it was about four inches of water and you could barely get out there. And tournament day, y'all know what happened tournament day. Yeah. I like, showed up. Uh, no. <laughs> and the, the bite completely changed. You know, I had a bite where there was a pinch point, and there was a bunch of wind and current blowing through. And then these big spots were just stacked. I was catching them on a chatterbait and on a shaky head. They were stacked. There. I was I caught like three in a row, and I left it. I said, that's why I'm going to be here tomorrow, right? And I go there the next morning. That bite's dead. The three pockets that we were, that we were fishing by, every pocket had a drain in the back. So that's what I was fishing. Every pocket had a drain. So everything I did in practice, um, the two weeks before, all changed. And uh, we were just fishing drains in the back, and there was you know wood and you know some rocks and stuff by the drains in the back, just throwing spinner baits and chatter baits. And that's how that's how the tournament worked for us. But that was that's something cool about that tournament. You just never know, you know. Yeah. You know, you talk about positive attitude, like Kurt was talking about earlier, and um, you just got to stick with it, man. Got to stick with it. Oh, definitely. So kind of, uh, and Kurt had kind of hit on this earlier. And uh, is there is there a line of being over prepared? Of you know, you've done all the research that that you just kind of want to cut it and say that's enough. Um, absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm big on not pre fishing too much because, like I mentioned earlier, the weekend before, yeah. I mean, like. If I fish four days before a tournament, like some folks do, my mind would be in a hundred different directions. Cause I, because I do feel that you would, because we have a lot of experience, we fish a lot of different types of water. 
like, you know, when Kurt pulls up and the water is, you know, six foot visibility, he knows the fish is going to be shallow. Most likely he's going to go throw a chatterbait or spinnerbait or something like that, or a jig and probably catch him shallow. You know, he knows like right when he shows up, he sees the water color. He knows pretty much exactly what he's going to do. And if you move around the lake and try this and that, he's probably going to get bites in a lot of those places. And uh, I really think two days, maybe three, if you're really struggling, but for me, like two days is perfect. And Kurt, that kind of two, three days deal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I, that's where I normally end up at is two to three days. Is there, that's the sweet spot, right? I mean, just like Craig's saying, you don't want to go down the rabbit hole, you know, got on there. I, I'm just like, you spent two weeks looking up. I'd be like, Craig, man, my head would be spinning. Cause you're going to find seven or eight, 10, maybe 12 different things that are going to places you're catching fish. And then you got to make a hard decision on like where to go. They're all spread out. And yeah. So I, the first tournament I fished with a, with a club was uh, Gunnersville, And I did a ton of map study on that, you know, months in advance trying to, prepare and like my head was so off and i blanked in that tournament i ended up not fishing a place that i checked before like you just get so and then i'm real bad about like i don't go around asking like you know like night before tournament like what was you doing you know where were you at but if people are talking about it my ears just happen to pick up on it so then that like starts getting in my game plan it doesn't now it used to really bad though like i was oh it's working for him i'm gonna i'm gonna go find that too so and, and it's that, easy. that could be a bad thing of listening to advice from somebody else. Like you were saying, Kurt, you might get that advice, but that it might put you out of your comfort zone of doing a kind of fishing that you're not necessarily good at or you're used to doing. And and that kind of brings us to another question of for the people that are new, is there any advice you would give them? Let's say lacrosse this weekend, you're going up there, sh shallow, grassy, a lot of water I cover. Let's say somebody who's, lives in North Carolina or they're used to places like Lanier or Norman, uh, you know, Rocky deep lake spots, things like that. And now they're going to a type of fishery that they've never fished before. You know, they don't even know where to start. They, they can look at the map, but it's all, you know, it doesn't mean anything to them because it's completely different than their home lake or what they're used to. And somebody who's trying to get out of their comfort zone, go fish a big tournament. What, what kind of uh, advice would you give them? Um, you know, do, do your research first, you know, and if you can, I like to try to find stuff that fits my strengths. So, you know, I'm a Texas rig guy. I, I, I fish that a lot. So if I can find some place that I can throw a Texas rig, you know, I'm going to kind of look for that type of stuff. Now, that's going to be hard to do at lacrosse because when you look at lacrosse man it is just like a major river and then sloughs and backwater just like gobs of it everywhere um, man honestly just you know just try to just try to find a spot and break it down i mean uh, with big water like that i honestly try to focus on one area yeah. like i'll spend two days in one area just trying to figure out one area i'm not going to try to go to pool seven and pool eight and pool nine, I'm going to go to like just pool seven or just pool eight. And I'm just going to concentrate on that one pool and, and break it down and try to get, you know, try to put something together there. Um, there. There's no easy answer for that. You know what I mean? There's no easy answer saying, you know, 
what do you look for and, and how do you pick it up some other place? I just try to always look, I always try to start with something familiar. Right. Yeah. Great advice. Craig? How about you, Craig? Uh, for me, it's all about finding the bait. Um, you know, having a depth finder, just seeing bait popping around. Um, I had a tournament where I fished um, with the Tennessee Valley guys, and I'm still learning Chickamauga. I don't know it very well. I probably have, I don't know, four or five spots out there. But I, it was we had a tournament last year in December, and I went and pre-fished the weekend before. And I just picked a random pocket, you know, didn't call anybody. I just said, I'm going to go fish there. It looks good on the map. I show up. There's bait everywhere. There's fish there. It's, you know, it's, it's cold weather. The fish aren't, you know, biting real, real great. But I did not catch one fish, right? But I'm confident there's fish there. And I think if I spent eight hours there fishing, I know there's fish there around. So my mindset when I show up, it wasn't like, man, I didn't catch anything here is. I know there's bait here. I got to figure out how to catch them. Uh, ended up catching them on a square bow crank bait and a shaky head. But, you know, I, I did okay. I didn't like, I didn't win the tournament, but I got like, I think a top 10 finish, you know, that event. But it was all about, I didn't catch one fish and I went to the same exact spot, but because I knew there was bait there and I knew there was fish there. But for me, somebody starting out new to tournament fishing, um, you know, Kurt likes Texas rig. I like a Texas rig also, but I highly recommend maybe, you know, a, a shallow water crankbait to cover water to find fish and always be looking at your depth finder. As you're, you know, if you're sitting in that six to eight feet and you're going along a bank fishing it as you go, always look for brush piles, mark brush piles and look for bait. Um, even if you're fishing around riprap where it all looks the same, you can fish down riprap and not get a bite for a quarter mile. And then you have one little section where all the bait stacked up. Throw a shaky head there, throw a crankbait, throw a jerkbait. You know, there's fish there. So for someone new, I would say keep it simple. You know, shallow water crankbaits, maybe some spinnerbaits, shaky heads, always get bites. I mean, that's probably, I mean, I don't know, a lot of money is going on a shaky head. Why are you shaking your head, Jimmy? Come on, man. Yeah, that is something I cannot figure out. I don't even want to talk about it. You got to, man. You got to. <laughs> I probably caught the most fish of, you know, the most fish I've ever caught on a shaky head. Like if percentage was i'm gonna make that's gonna be like my bait going into the like when i, I usually work on a technique throughout the winter <laughs> i'm just gonna not put it down i'm gonna figure it out it's year like, out and you can throw it in anything you throw it in one foot to you know 30 foot you know super out. if anybody has any questions you know we, we got a little bit longer but if you have any questions please feel free to ask we we want to you know get these out and so Shake just knowledge out of these guys. They've got so much, you know. So I want to go into kind of some like gear stuff just because we know Kurt takes a lot of stuff. I want to know like, do you have any like tips for organization or like a routine you do? So like tournament morning, you're about to hop in the boat or load the boat full of gear. You know, do you set this here every time, set that there every time, this box first, this bag first, anything crazy like that or any any like little tackle tips that you've found that help you tournament day? Yeah, you know, I definitely have like a set routine, you know what I mean? Like where my net goes, I always goes in the same place. Um, and it, it, some of these things are things you just have to figure out for yourself. But like I like to keep it super organized. So like at my terminal tackle box, everything is labeled. You know, all my EWG hooks are together. All my shaky head hooks are together. Everything's labeled by size, by size of hook. Everything I can clearly see on there. So when it comes to tournament morning or during the tournament, when you break off or you feel like you have to switch something, you're not rummaging around 
and digging in a bag for stuff. I go right to where my shaky heads are, right? I go right to it. I go right to the bag of my three sixteenths. And then I, then I have two of those and, and everything's marked. So I know exactly what I'm grabbing. I'm, I'm tying it on really quick. And the other thing I think that helps is like, you know, if you get a couple of days of pre-fishing, you're going to have a good idea what you're going to throw. So I set up a, a tournament day bag. That's just the stuff I think I'm going to throw in the tournament. I bring everything else too, but I have a bag that will have the soft plastics in there that I think I'm going to use for that day. Yeah. Just handy. You know what I mean? I can keep on the deck of my boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I do. I've done like a day box kind of deal like you would on a boat. And I, I keep it kind of like under my seat, same way that I know this is what I'm going to be using first. That way it's just one less movement to turn around or lean over or something like that. What about you, Craig? Um, I actually, I, I'm a little bit different from Kurt. I don't carry a lot. Um, I actually, I have seven boxes. I, I think it's six or seven. It's, you know, I got quarter bills, shallow crankbaits, deep crankbaits, jigs, uh, weights, hooks, and top water and blades, anything with a blade. That's, that's my seven boxes that I carry. And I carry um, a bag of soft plastics, you know, I usually maybe two bags, you know. Um, I just, I've never been, I, maybe I should start carrying more gear after listening to Kurt, you know. You know <laughs> always ready to go, but I've never been, a, you know, I carry maybe six rods at the most. I mean, I know Kurt's seven minimum. You know, I heard him say that earlier. It's just everybody has their style. Everybody's different, you know, and I just really keep my, you know, when it comes to colors, I'm not crazy with colors. You know, I'm, you know, I'm crankbaits, white, chartreuse, and a crawfish. That's really all I got. You know, for worms, it's green pumpkin or brown or, you know, um, you know, black and blue. Uh, Same thing for jigs. I mean, I just, I just keep simple colors. And for me, it's really, you know, everybody's different, but for me, it's about where you put that lure and how you present it, not necessarily what it looks like or what color, but yeah. also you got to be prepared, you know, for your shaky heads. I have three different sizes, you know, I have everything I need, but I just fish a little bit different, you know, that's all. And, and maybe that goes back. If you're trying to fish the less pressured, pressured fish, that works great for you because yeah. you don't need as many colors for less pressured fish. Kurtz, if you're fishing more drops, things that, you know, humps, offshore, things like that with a Texas rig, those fish see a lot of bait. So you carry more stuff, more colors. And, you know, these things go, uh, Kurt has the little bit bigger, wider, more, I, I don't want to say more, more capacity, but Craig has that fast leak pursuit, you know, nimble kind of thing. And Kurt's the other way where he's bigger, more gear. So it's, it's, it's funny how divert, how separate y'all are and, and how both of them have worked so well. Yeah, if, if I got in Kurt's boat, I'd be lost. I just wouldn't even. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, this really goes to show you just like what's going on with, with, with fishing right now, man. We got so many people that are doing well doing so many different things. Yeah. You know, and people are so proficient at what they do and what they're good at. You know? And there's, you know, there's huge differences. Like when I had my pursuit, you know, I'm more like Kurt, but in the pursuit, you'd have been lost because I would have had, you know, six or eight rods laying down, two rods behind me. You know, you've got, I had the drawer fullest tackle, terminal tackle on the dash, boxes beside you, box below you, boxes behind you. Oh, man. Like you can load the pursuit out or you can do it like you did because I've taken it on creek trips with two rods and one box and you can do that too. It's, 
it's crazy how you know anybody can set it up completely different. Any boat, not I'm not just talking about that boat, just period. And here, here's a question: it Looks like from a younger guy, spinning, casting, or both? Do you do you have a a favorite? I mean, you probably carry both, but is there one that you prefer more than the other? Are you talking about me? Yeah, it, go ahead. Um, I, I I use both. Um, I keep I keep two spinning rods at all times. I have a, a medium that I use. Um, I just have a 15 pound braid, and the, the good thing about having a braid on there is you can put six pound six pound like leader on it. You can fish super clear water, or you can. I, sometimes I even throw a 15 pound braid when I'm fishing Chickamauga because you never know what you're going to hook up there. So, um, you know, 15 pound braid with any size leader you need. Um, but yeah, I always have two spinning rods and usually three or four bait casters. Go ahead and get into what kind of rods are they? Um, I use the St. Croix Avidex spinning rods. Uh, those things they're perfect um the, the medium is perfect for you can use it for drop shot you can use it for shaky heads you can use it for throwing uh, finesse swim baits um i use the strike king uh, jig heads the quarter ounce a lot and you can take a finesse worm put it on there use it as a shaky head and then if the fish come up school or something real quick you can just take off that worm and put on a little paddle tail swim bait a little three inch swim bait and throw it into that school with the same hook on the same everything and so it's a quick change. You know, instead of grabbing another rod, I can just change my, my lure real quick. Well, there's some juice for everybody. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I have an overlapping baits here. And Smitty, you're, you're in the St. Croix too, right? Yep. I'm a St. Croix fan as well. Uh, you know, my favorite is a, a baitcaster for sure because I'm a Texas rig guy. Yeah. You know, but I do, I do have two, like Craig says, I have two spinning rods set up ready to go. Um, you know, one usually has a little swim bait on it and one usually has some like a shaky head or a weight or like a weightless fluke or something on it. Yeah. And Christopher, if you are a younger guy and you're watching, man, work that whichever one you want, get really good at and then move on to the other one because they're definitely good for different things. But don't don't let people shame you into if you just use that. You know the spinning rod. You know you need to go at baitcaster. You can catch plant fish with that. Spinning. Yeah, they, they both. I mean, yeah. something I told somebody one time, and they were talking about spinning. You know, oh, you should be throwing a baitcaster. I was like, you ever watch guys land marlin on big heavy spinning gear or stuff yeah. like that? I mean, guys land sailfish on fly rods. Like they all sure. catch fish. It doesn't matter. They all have their place. All right. So, since both of y'all did so good on Seminole, this is a uh, more of a personal question, I, I guess, because I. I do all that research. I, you know, I spend weeks getting ready because, you know, maybe it's having been in the military. I feel like I need to have everything in a row, everything tied on multiple times, be as prepared as I can. And then you go and you have a bad tournament and it sucks and you suck and, and you're like, Oh, it's the worst. How do you get over that and move on to your next tournament to be, you know, to be ready to go for that next one, just leave that one behind. How, how do you do that? Um, well, it's kind of funny. I just had that happen, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, Kentucky Lake. So that, that was tough on a lot of people, though. Well, well, it was so frustrating for me because I had one day to pre-fish, right? That's all I had. I had one day, right? And, you know, Adam, I, I camped with Adam Riser. Y'all, you know Adam Riser well. Um yeah. He, he, fished, he, he fished tournaments like the weekend before that and then two weeks before the tournament. So he had hours and hours on the lake and he was dialed in, man. And he wasn't saying nothing. Okay. I mean, I was, <laughs> and he, he, 
And if you know Adam, he's super, man, he, he's so smart, man, when it comes to finding fish and, and making them bite. He's really, if you really got time to sit down and talk to Adam Reiser about that, it's really cool, man. It's fascinating. But anyway, um, I had one day to pre-fish and I found him, man. I found him offshore. I didn't read, you know, I know a lot of people were struggling offshore. That wasn't really the deal, but I was catching them, man. I went out on Friday. Um, I went to, I think, it's, is it Leatherwood? Is, is that one of the main creeks? I think is what it's called. And, and I caught him good out there. And uh, I caught him. I had four or five spots offshore. I got bites in all of them. And tournament day, um, I got a couple bites early. And then it just, I had boats sort of kill me, man. Boats on every spot that I had. They found what I found. They were on them. And uh, here come the jet skis. Here come, you, you need, I mean, I don't even need to say the jet ski. Right? But, you know, I should have made a change earlier. It's a mistake. I knew it at 12 o'clock that I knew I should have left there. I should have done something different. Should have went back in the creek. I should have done something different. And, man, it was frustrating, you know, and I only caught two fish. And I actually didn't even fish the second day. I, I went home and hung out with the family on Sunday. And it was hard. I mean, that was one of the toughest drive home that I've ever had in my life that I was like, I know I only had one day. I, I can only give myself so much I put so much pressure to, you know, do well in that tournament with one day of pre-fishing. I probably shouldn't have done that, but it was a tough drive, man. But, you know, two or three days later, you move on. I'm already ready for the next one. I, I don't even think about it anymore. To be honest with you, that's what you got to do. You got to just move on. Nothing I can do about it. It was a mistake. I mean, it was, you know, I can, I got all excuses in the world, but I should have made a change at 10 or 11 o'clock. It's that time. I just had, like, you feel it, you feel it inside. I yeah. should have left. And I just didn't, man. I tried to grind it out around all those guys wakeboarding around me, and I should have left. And I didn't. <laughs> so, you know. Wakeboarders. Yeah. Well, I, mean, hey, I wish I was kind of with them. You know, it was, it was frustrating, man. I mean, it was good for them, man. But it was just, you know, it was just, it was a tough day. You know, we all know how. That tournament, I saw more, not, you know, not just you. I saw a lot of bigger name people struggle that didn't, you know, a few of them didn't fish the second day. Like you, like that, that was a tough tournament for everybody that you talked to. Well, I, I didn't think it was tough. Like Friday, man, I was ready. I mean, I was, I was catching big smallmouth. I was catching them on a small swim bait. I was caught a few on a crankbait. I had uh, eight brush piles marked, but the fish were sitting in them. You could see the fish. I mean, I was ready, man. I was, you know, even with one day of practice, I couldn't ask for a better day of practice. I've never fished. I've never fished that bay or creek. I've never, never even been there. But I didn't want to go fish history on Barkley or Kentucky Lake because that just it gets me in trouble too much. I want to go, you know, brand new spots, brand new everything. And I was ready to go, man. Saturday morning, I was pumped up, and it just didn't happen. You know, yeah. we've all been there, and it'll happen again, oh, yeah. probably. Oh yeah, absolutely. You don't suck too often, but whenever you do, how, how do you get over it, man? Uh. And, it, and like Craig says, it happens to all of us, man. And just like Craig said, you just got to put it in the past, man. I just try to take, I try to take whatever lessons I can learn from it, learn from it, and then just immediately move on, man. Dwelling on anything like that, it just doesn't do you any good. You know, if, if there's some lesson you can learn from it, take it and apply it to the future and just keep moving. Keep moving. And you kind of have to do that after a win too, right? You can't rely on how you won one tournament to win the next one, you kind of have to just move on and just put it in the past and, and start over. I mean, that's kind of part of the cycle of, of being a tournament fish. Yeah, that's right. And here's a, a great, great question by, I mean, one of the 
the most interesting guys in the sport, the wizard, Ramel Labrador. Uh, you, Craig, you have that bow mount XI-3 on your pursuit. Smitty, you've got that that rear mounted Torquedo. Wait, give us give us y'all's impressions and how uh, I know you're not fishing with the motor this weekend because it's Hobie, but you can practice with it. How can you kind of give us, you know, how you fish with a motor, how you integrate that into your fishing, and how it's changed your fishing, and maybe some likes or dislikes. Go ahead, Kurt. Uh, you know, I use the Torquedo a lot. Um, mainly for covering water or for checking out places and eliminating dead water. I mean, I use it to, to motor around and, and really reach out a little bit and get a couple miles from the ramp or more and, and just eliminate dead water, man. It, it, I, I don't really use it actively during fishing nearly as much as I do just to get from spot to spot. You know, I cruise up to the next spot. I use my Mirage drive. I go kind of in the stealth mode fish it out, look at it, and then move to the next one, fish it out, look at it, move to the next one, uh, just to use it to eliminate a lot of water. If nothing else, it's got to be easier to, like, eat a sandwich whenever you're not kicking the whole way. Craig, how about you, man? How, how are you liking that bow mount? Well, you know, I, to, you know, what Kurt was saying, I ran a Torquedo for a long time, and yeah. uh, it's an incredible motor, and, you know, I, I love that motor. Um, I was a reason I changed because I wanted to try something a little different, um, something to get excited about, and I wanted to stand up and fish more. Um, I just love standing and fishing the way I like to cast, but how how I like to fish. I like to fish fast. I like to cover water. I like to, you know, try to be precise as I can as I'm covering water, you know, and, and hitting logs and hitting rocks with shallow running crankbaits or spinnerbaits or chatterbaits. And standing is just to me, you can just be more efficient in my opinion. Um, but Having the bow mount is a little bit slower than having a Torquedo. Torquedos, man, they're fast. They're awesome. The batteries are awesome. I mean, it's just a cool, it's an awesome tool. But, man, I just wanted to be able to fish windy points standing up, fish banks standing up. And um, being able to do that is really awesome, especially having the XI-3 when I can, you know, use anchor lock. Um, when I was on Kentucky Lake pre-fishing, I can go up to a brush pot with the wind in my face, which that's how I love to fish, casting into the wind, you know, always. Uh, and in the current as well. And you can just hit the anchor lock. I can stand up and relax and fish, man. There's nothing like it. And, um, I mean, they're both great in both situations. Um, if I fish more rivers, more shallower stuff, the torpedo would definitely be the way to go. But, we're, you know, living in North Georgia, having that bow mount, man, it just I can just get locked on those spots and, and really be super precise and efficient. Are, are you using just the handheld or both the foot? The wireless foot control too. I'm just using the handheld now. Um, Cody's Cody convinced me to get the foot control. I have the wireless foot control, but it's still in the box. He's like, man, just trust me. Trust me. <laughs> get out there. You're gonna hate it at first, but once you get used to it, you you won't go back. It, it makes me happy that you say that because w before we all got on, I was filling out my order form for my X3. So, man, Jimmy, it, it's uh, let me tell you, man, for for like, let's just say you want to, you know, burn a buzz bait on a bank, right? And I use the heading lock, which if it's a fairly straight bank, you just point the heading lock, point the nose of your kayak, hit heading lock. It just goes straight. It, it'll adjust for the wind, for the current. You just stand up and fish, man. You don't worry about anything. God, I can't wait. You don't have to do anything with your hands, but cast. You just stand there and cast. 
So it's it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty awesome. I can't yeah, I can't wait. And like you were saying with the torpedo being better for rivers, I think I'm gonna try and uh cut cut my shaft down a little bit more on mine because my whole thing was trying to use it to get up upstream a lot in some of the spots because like I like to fish after it rains a little bit and the water levels come up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I saw a guy, Logan Martin, was running up a shoal with a, a bow mount and I was like, okay. Was it really? Travel. It can do be what? Nice. Yeah, it's it was insane. So I'm I'm gonna play with that and then if not, I'll probably go for my river boat, I'll probably use the, the new canoe UPS system and do the rear mount. See how that yeah. works for, for river fishing. I mean, if, if I was a river guy, for sure, I, I would definitely have, you know, something on the back, you know, like a, a torpedo for sure. But, man, I'm in North Georgia. I got Carter's Lake. I got Alatoona. I got Lanier. You know, I'm really really enjoying um, the Rocky Mountain PFA. Pretty awesome over there. So, um, you know, if I was if I was down in Louisiana, I'd probably have a torpedo too. But they're both great tools. You know, I, I just – being able to stand and hit a button and go down a bank and just fish – I mean, it's, it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. And I want to have to come over there and let you drag me around Lake Lanier, man. That's on my list of places to go. Come on, man. I, I'm not an expert on Lanier, but I, I got a handful of spots that we, like, we always catch good ones there. So come yeah, on. Heck yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got to say, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I put on the internet tonight, but tonight I, I went on to the new canoe team and I, I know people like you, you know, I've got a pursuit now. And Craig, you, I mean, as a father, seeing you with your kid on the front, I mean, that inspired me because I've just the amount of time I've had in my pursuit, I put my kid in the front and we've had a great time. But seeing yeah. you, like I, whenever I was at Logan Martin, I was fishing by Cody Milton and I see him just go, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's got to happen. Like, I, yeah. I, yeah. that was that was the moment that I was sold on a, a motor. Yeah. He he spun around and flew up the current to me like that, and I and was I'm, like, "Oh yeah!" I'm leaning back. I'm getting it with the pedal, and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> like you hey, know." I'll give it to Dan. That water was rolling, and he was doing just fine. I'm sure he couldn't walk to the truck, but yeah, he's kicking yeah. him legs. <laughs> I think uh, if if you're fishing a tournament nowadays and a motor is allowed, and you don't have a motor. A lot of times you're going to be at a, in my mind, you're going to be at a disadvantage. Sometimes, obviously, like Cody Milton, whenever he was on Lake Fork, getting super shallow, sometimes they can go and play. But, you know, if you're fishing one of those KBF bass mass bass events and you don't have a motor, it's, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in a in a disadvantage from the start, I think. Yeah. Well, Craig, are you when you're not running the motor, are you paddling or do you do you pedal that pursuit? Man, uh, you know. I've never been a pedaling guy. I, I tried a native a long time ago and I, I just, I, I don't know, man. I, I didn't like all that in front of me. I, I didn't like having my knees. So I got, I'm kind of short. So like my, my knees are kind of in my face when I'm pedaling, I guess. I don't know. I guess I'm just too, I don't know what it is, but I just, that's why I like the pursuit and like having that big open deck. I, I was really intrigued by that. And, you know, I, I pedaled a Hobie. Awesome kayak. I mean, those yeah. are so efficient, man. It's it's unbelievable how efficient those kayaks are. But I just, for me, I just never really got into pedaling. I, I had, like I said, I had a native for five or six months. I actually sold it to Steve Owens years ago, years ago. And uh, great, great kayak, it just wasn't for me. And so I, I paddled, man, like the Hobie event at uh, Seminole. I was, you know, I was still in the attack then. And, you know, I, but I only paddled about a mile to the one spot. That's all I had. And then paddled back to the ramps. So I, it, you know, it wasn't a big deal. So, yeah. 
Well, do you have anything else for him, Jimmy, before we let him go? It's been an hour and 20 minutes. We usually don't keep people on this long. But whenever you have guests this good, you got to keep them on a little bit longer. No, I think we covered it. That's I definitely took a few things away from this. I think a lot of people got a lot of questions answered and can use it to either change how they do it or add to it. Or well, It was a good show. Appreciate all the information you guys are willing to give us. And we hope to have you on here again when y'all win y'all's next tournament. Uh, which probably won't be too long. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll start with you, Craig. We'll, we'll roll out the red carpet. Anybody you want to thank? Any family sponsors? Anybody else? Man, tonight I'm just going to thank my wife. Man, she she supports me in all this. Um, you know, and, and I'll thank the guys at New Canoe. That they just the, the team is awesome. Uh, Everett, Blake, those guys. Man, anything I need, they don't ask questions. They just say, "Okay, you got it." And, uh, man, that's it. I really appreciate you guys having me. Sorry I was having issues. I don't know. The internet's good. My phone was messing up. But uh, thanks for having me, man. I hope I can come back soon. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Kurt, how about you? Uh, you know, I'd just like to thank uh, my three main sponsors. Uh, you know, I'd like to give a big shout-out for Hobie. You know, obviously, they're Hobie Kayaks. We all know about Hobie Kayaks and the Mirage Drive and the new 360 that's out um, like to thank Strictly Sale, you know, they're my local Hobie dealer and they carry all types of kayak accessories and other kayaks there. Uh, and Fishing Online, those are my three big main sponsors. Um, those guys really support me a lot and I'd like to you know, give them a shout out to those guys. Absolutely. Well, yeah, thanks for having me on too. I mean, you guys are always awesome. I love talking to you guys. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, y'all are great. And I'm like Jimmy said, we'll have you back on soon. Well, uh, good, luck. good luck this weekend. I'm sure you'll do great. And, you know, go go, go find we, the Edwin spot. We may have you back Monday. I mean, it, it could be yeah. that soon. <laughs> never know. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, y'all be good and be safe, be safe driving up there. All right. Thanks, guys. guys. Thanks. Can we go longer? Can we just keep talking? You know, I'm telling you, like, that's <laughs> we could literally make two and three hour podcasts talking to these guys. I, feel I don't like, know if it would benefit anybody but us, but it would. I would be perfectly fine with it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, an hour and twenty minutes, and we usually try to cap it at like an hour. But damn, I, I just wanted to keep going. Yeah, yeah. But tonight we don't really have any tournaments to talk about. We try to limit it to um, above thirty people or more. Just because we can't talk about all of them. As always, if you have a tournament that you want us to talk about next week, uh, just shoot either me or Jimmy a message. We'd be more than happy to talk about your tournament anytime. But, uh, but yeah. You know, the fourth had a lot of it turned off, which is perfectly fine. People spending time with their family. I didn't go fishing on the fourth, but I was working, yeah. and I saw all the people on all the lakes and rivers, and I would not have been fishing a tournament out there anyway. So Yeah, it's, it's probably safer if people didn't, because, like, you know, just like, Craig was saying wakeboarders, jet skiers, and all those other hooligans out there doing really ridiculous things. So, well, congrats for joining the new canoe team. Yeah, man. Hope I was able to throw that sales pitch at you. Yeah, man. I had your flint here for like a month. I felt bad, but I've been hiding that pursuit for a while here. It's funny. I've had somebody hit me up the other day and needing to use it. So there's a solid chance I won't have it for a couple weeks. Oh, dang. It's well, fine. I don't care. You got the frontier. Hey, I took you... the frontier down moving water yesterday for the first time to see how it handled the river. And I left the pedal drive on and I was actually like, I was super happy because I was kind of worrying how that was going to work out, but it did great. 
it's nice that drive kicks up. Like whenever I think whenever Jackson first came out with the flex drive, I thought, oh wow, they really yeah. did something. You know, the native drive it bumped up if as long as you didn't latch it down. But the Jackson, I was super impressed because it it also bumped up whenever you hit something. And then whenever to me in my mind, you if a company was going to come out with a pedal drive, it needed to be able to absorb a shock or move up and whenever. Yeah. You know, yeah, new canoe having the pivot drive with the where it goes up. That's I, you know, I let it do that once just to see if it worked. But the boat paddles so well that when I would come up on the shoals, I would just kick the motor up and paddle around like I would in my flint. Yeah. And but it was nice to have, you know, we'd hit the deep spot and I could run three miles an hour upstream, you know, and then spot control, like, like they were saying, um, like using the motor to get to the spot that's the way it's going to work for me. I'm going to keep the pedals and I'll use the motor to get there and the pedals to hold my spot as I fish, because that's one thing I've really got to like about the pivot drive is with it steering from the rear with the propulsion, you can really stay on your spot. Just perfect. And I, and, and the, the reverse, I mean, I don't have a pivot drive yet. I'm about to put one order on order. I know they're back order right now, but the way the pivot drive moves in the back, it turns so far that it's, uh, obviously, you know, Hobie's got that 360 and that's awesome. But the the way the pivot drive moves so much in the back, you really like it, it moves. It's got some really sharp, a sharp turning radius. If you fish like an area with current, it will blow your mind because if you pay attention to kind of how a boat is moving in current, you can manipulate the spot in so many ways. Let, you know, let it drift the front, kick the rear the other way or vice versa. You know, you can you can really dial it in and it's been, it's been a fun experience. I was glad to get it back out. I haven't had that boat out in like almost two months. So. Very cool. Well, yeah, man, I'm happy to be on the team and you know, I, I I came from native and I was, I was proud to be with them for a long, for a while. And, and I really enjoyed their boats, but I'm kind of transitioning to rather than that bigger, better, more concept, because I came from the bass boat world and, th and this is why I made the decision. I kind of, you know, people see me online and they see me really, you know, I support the brands that support me. And, and I was really proud to be with an American made company. And this isn't a reflection on them as much as it's the way I wanted to change my fishing. I yeah. wanted to go from that Titan to have more, to have the right stuff, to have, to be paddle first, you know, where I, I really kind of live that paddle pedal power where I'm going to do all three because I'm going to paddle whenever I get to go on rivers. And like I said, I get to take my child, my son, he gets set up front so I can still paddle. That's awesome. And then in my local clubs in Alabama, they only accept a paddle, a pedal drive so that I can paddle a uh, pedal. Sorry. It's so easy to get those mixed up. And now I'm on motor. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm also going to have the Bowmount XI3 because I, I want to. I really want to be able to compete in those Bassmaster and those KBF events where, you know, I saw Cody Milton doing some things that I flat out could not catch those fish that he could, and and that that's all it took. You hear about it, you read about it, you hear people talk about it, but whenever you see it and you see the power of a motor and you can see the fish that you can access whether it's range or staying on a spot that you couldn't before it just it, it it's a game changer, changer. you know it, it really is like you hate to use that term but 
it's as much of a game changer as it is from can be in some situations from paddle to pedal as it is from pedal to power. So definitely. So yeah, I'm, I'm super happy to be on the team. Great team. A lot of people I super respect great customer service. So, you know, I'm, this thing, I know we're both on team new canoe and I don't want everybody to think this is going to be a love fest for new canoe every time, but, but I, I just wanted to get that out there and explain it on why I made the change and why I thought it was going to help my fishing and, and for me to be more competitive and to really have more time, a better quality of time with my family. Cause I'm about to get a flint for my wife and it'll really be my river boat. And then, uh, yeah, so all three of us can go out and have a lot of fun. So, Super, super happy to be on team. And Wednesday, recording tomorrow night, I'll be on Kayak Bass and Beers with Armando. Super happy to he invite me on there. So I have another announcement to make. So more than that. I've got, I've got one. I actually forgot oh. that I was given the approval oh. that I can do it now. I thought you were so, going to say it earlier whenever they were talking, but I didn't know if you could. Yeah, I wasn't. I was listening to them. But yeah, I, uh, I, uh, proud to announce that i joined up with the dobbins rods team you know i've used their rods for uh i think three and a half years now i've always been a very pro with their stuff because they make stuff from the lower end from the cult series all the way up to you know 500 rods and glass infused rods and uh i think it's going to be a, a, a fun fit it's another company that they do a lot of good stuff they listen to their guys and it's something i like is i like a company that makes you work for it you know, I don't want you to don't give me anything, make me earn it. And that's definitely how they are. So thanks to them for uh, letting me join up with them this year and can't wait to see what all comes from that. Yeah, man. Congratulations. Great rods. Uh, I've never used one, but I look forward. I, I know you've said so many great things and I respect a lot of people who use them. I've heard enough things from people that I respect that I know Dobbin rods are, are legit. I just haven't had the chance, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to steal one. I got I got a lot, man. I can I can get a few of them to you. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, an hour and thirty minutes long show, but thank you everybody. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. If you have a tournament or a club or some anything you just want to shout out, give us a holler. Either me or Jimmy message us on Facebook. If you have any questions, never you know if you see that we're posting a show and you have a question for them and you're not going to be able to get online and maybe you could listen later but you can't get in the comments, shoot it to us. And we'll ask them, yeah. Whenever we're on the show. So yeah, we're all about trying to get as much information and you know, just answer questions and everybody be better and highlight anglers. So next week we'll have a new show with new people and talk about awesome things and hopefully something we can learn. So maybe not new people. It may be Kurt. So yeah, maybe probably <laughs> Let's be honest. like chance that he's got a dang good chance of winning. Yeah, I know maybe grass shallow grass isn't really his thing but i figured out yeah he, he's got pretty good odds so as always thanks for listening and wear your pfds have a good night good night thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on paddle and fin don't forget to go check out our website at paddle the letter n and fin.com don't forget to check out the youtube channel at paddle and fin if you got a question comment want to hear from a future guest on a future episode feel free to email us at paddle the letter n and fin at gmail.com don't forget to follow us on social media at paddle and fin 
on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs.